testing one, two. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Wherever you are right now, as far as this virtual space is concerned, can we celebrate and give God the praise that God so richly and rightfully deserved? We know this is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. We have a candidate for baptism. Uh, amen, amen, amen. We have a candidate for baptism. His name is Brother Charles Ray Butler. And we're getting ready to bring him into the water. And we're going to baptize him. And so uh, at this time, I'm going to ask if our musicians can praise some appropriate baptismal music. Uh, as we uh, proceed to carry out this ordinance of the church. is called the ordinance of the church the ordinance of baptism let me just ask you a couple of questions first of all uh, have you confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior yes. all right and do you still want to be baptized and become part of the St. Paul Baptist Church family yes. amen I'm going to ask all of those who are watching us as well as in the house if you can give God a praise of affirmation brother Charles Ray Buck based upon your confession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and your willingness to be baptized this morning. We're going to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Based upon your confession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, those who are watching us this morning, if you are watching us on Facebook, YouTube, or engaging with us or on live chat found in our church website, good morning. Welcome to St. Paul Online. Our digital ministers and social influencers are ready to engage along with you this morning. So say hello to them. Real quick, we want to invite you to share in this experience with others. So if you are watching on Facebook, share on your personal timeline. You can also tag those who you want to invite to the post. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to our channel and then text the link to those in the worship service and your personal network. And if you are in the chat room on this church website, click and the invite button 
and chat with the window and chat and experience this with others. Good morning again. Our call to worship is, now is the time when true worshipers, when true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For we are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and we worship him and we must worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. Hallelujah. Let us worship the Lord. Let us worship the Lord. Let us worship the Lord. Let us begin our worship by joining the choir as they sing, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name.
Okay, I'm still looking at the chat windows, and I'm wondering uh, from YouTube, Facebook, and church website, and I'm curious to know where everyone is watching us from. Let us know the city and state that you are joining us from this morning. Amen? Amen. The Sunday school, the scripture lesson this morning can be found in Psalm 33, verses 1 through 9, and I'll be using the New King James Version. Psalm 33, 1 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is done in truth. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. God's word for God's people. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. It is hallowed. It is set aside to worship you. You are an awesome, awesome God. And you, you deserve every part of our being. So God, right now, we pray that you know that our worship is for real. Holy Spirit, come. Saturate this place. Saturate the virtual homes, God. Saturate us from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. That we may hear what you would have us to hear. And feel what you would have us to feel. And listen with our eyes and our hearts, God. We pray that the word will illumine us and change us for the better. God, we thank you for everything that is in operation to lift your holy and righteous name. God, we worship you now and we continue to worship you in spirit and in truth. Let everybody join me in an amen, amen, and amen.
Amen. Come magnify him. Jesus is his name. I find it fitting that that's a song that we're singing this morning uh, because we'll get to talk a little bit about Jesus and his wonderful example um, to us. So thank you, choir, for man. Thank you so much. He is worthy to be praised and we magnify his name this morning. And so I just want to say good morning um, and welcome to all of you uh, that are here this morning. Uh, welcome uh, to the, this part of our service, which is our impact moment. Uh, where I get to talk to the kids and bring them a message that um, I, I pray and, and believe is from God, uh, something for them to really chew on and think about themselves. And so for the kids and the kids at heart this morning, uh, I want to encourage you to think about um, our second week um, here as we talk about the Lord's Prayer and what that means for our prayer life. And so this second topic that we'll talk about in our series, What's in a Prayer, is Your Will Be Done. Your will be done. That's the title of today's message. Our memory verse comes from Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 10. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, which says this. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then our bottom line this morning, guys, is pray for God to have his way. And I want to go ahead and pray for us, guys, this morning as we get started with this message. Dear Lord, I pray right now that you would be, um, Lord, in this message, in this moment, um, challenge us to think about uh, the ways that we can give way to your way, God, and let you have control of our life because we know that you know what's best. Thank you so much, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You guys, there's something really dangerous about prayer, really, really dangerous about prayer. And I promise I'm saying that right. You see, we know prayer is powerful. We learned last time in, um, in, in last week's uh, message that it connects us to God. And in our prayers, we praise God because he is worthy of our praise. Well, guys and girls, there's something even more dangerous and more powerful about our prayers. And it's when we pray that God would have his way in our lives instead of us having what we want on our time. Instead of following our own desires, we can pray for God's will, his desire, and what he has planned and scheduled for us. And this can be what all of our prayers are based on. For example, you may have told yourself before, God, please help me get this job. Give me a good grade on this test. Please heal my family. Or God, please help my friend find a relationship with Jesus. But regardless, let your will be done. Guys, it's tough in those moments like that to pray for God to have his way. We think we know what we want and at what time it should take place. But can I say this morning, God's timing is perfect. He wants what's best for us and his way is the best way. In the Bible, as I was trying to think of an illustration um, for this message in my own life, I thought, man, Jesus is probably the perfect illustration and the perfect example for this message in this kind of prayer. Because you see, Jesus prayed a similar prayer when he was praying alone by himself, waiting for his friend Judas to betray him and to help take him to the cross to die for you and me. He felt the anxiety of what was about to happen and Jesus in doing so got alone with God and he prayed and asked for God to take away that suffering as that he was about to face on the cross. 
Jesus knew it would be so painful and tough, but he didn't give in to his desire to just do what he wanted to do, like we so often do. And he prayed that God would rescue him only if it was in God's plan for him to be rescued and not to have to face death on the cross. You see, guys, when we pray by God's will, like Jesus did, it means we leave our lives and whatever we've prayed for in the hands of Almighty God because we know that he's big enough to hold the whole world in the palms of his hands. Whether what we've prayed for comes true or not, we know that if we pray for God's will to be done, we can find comfort in knowing that God knows what's best for us, his children. God knows what's best. Jesus knew this, guys, and he believed in it with all his heart. And that's why, again, our bottom line, we can pray with confidence for God to have his way. Again, our memory verse for today, Matthew 6, 10, let's, let's be reminded of it. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus tells us in the first part of this verse, guys, that we should pray for God's kingdom to come soon. If you remember last week, I challenged you to think about God as a king. If you've ever thought about God as a king, then you might know that God rules over heaven and earth. That is his kingdom. Now it's perfect paradise in heaven. There's no suffering, there's no pain, there's worshiping of God always. And it's so wonderful and beautiful. There's so much joy. Now, when we think of earth, we know there are times that earth is anything but perfect, don't we? There's evil in this world because of sin and, and sin causes us to want to go our own way instead of following God's plan and way for us. Therefore, all of us guys are needed to be saved from our sins so that earth can look a lot more like it does in heaven, amen? My friends, it's God's will and it's his greatest desire for us, the whole world, to be saved from our sins. He doesn't want anyone to die without knowing the love that he has for them. That is a part of his will. When we accept Jesus into our hearts and we give our lives to following him, it means that we become a part of God's spiritual kingdom and we can choose to follow God's way instead of our own. When we pray for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done, we are praying that earth would start to look a lot more like heaven. While we're here on earth, guys, it's God's desire for us to do some of these things that I have listed here, to love him and to love others well to seek justice for those who have been treated wrongly, to live our lives humbly for God and not selfishly or pridefully, to pray for people to be healed, to always do what's right, even when it's hard. You see, guys, when we think of these things that God wants us to do and in moments where it's difficult to pray for God to have his way, man, when we do so, we can trust in the fact and we can know that what he wants is so much better for us than anything that we could want for ourselves. You see, Jesus ended his prayers by praying for what God wants for his life to reign supreme. Guys, if Jesus had given into his own desires, then you and I wouldn't be here today. If he had been concerned more with, him, with his self and his own personal safety, Jesus wouldn't have given his life so that you and I could know the love of God. Yes, guys, you see, it is dangerous to pray that God's will would be done, that his way would reign supreme in our life because it means giving up our own way. But man, it's so life-changing when we can pray like Jesus, trusting in and believing that God's way is the best way. One last time, guys, pray for God to have his way. Amen. Thank you all.
Thank you, Reverend C, for that word. And as we move forward, as far as um, from our impact moment to continuing our modality of worship, we want to greet each and every one of you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a wonderful and blessed joy it is for us to be in the house of the Lord one more time. We've had a candidate that we have baptized and brought into the family of faith. Uh, through uh, the ordinance of baptism. And at this time, I'm going to ask that Brother Charles Ray Butler would join me in front of the pulpit. Amen. Amen. Brother Butler, if you would step right here, I want the folks to see you. First and foremost, thank you for allowing us to share in this wonderful ordinance as far as baptism is concerned. And uh, what a privilege it is to welcome you, first of all, to the family of God. And second of all, amen, let's give God praise. And secondly, to the St. Paul Baptist Church family, you join what I consider to be the greatest church on this side of glory. And there are wonderful people here. We're going to do all that we can to help you to grow as well as you help us grow. We're going to do life together. So what I want to present you with are two things. First of all, uh, a certificate of baptism. I don't know when your birthday is, actually, but you get a birth certificate for that. This is your birth certificate as far as the kingdom of God is concerned. The second one is your Bible. And we want you to read your Bible. We would love for you to get connected to one of our Sunday morning live classes, which is Sunday school, as well as Bible study. Amen. And that way you can continue to learn and to grow as far as the word of God is concerned. So I want to present these items to you. We want to give God praise for you and we thank God for you. God bless you. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate. Let's give God praise for Brother Butler. You may return to your seat now. Amen. 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 As we move forward, as far as uh, this worship experience is concerned, there are just uh, a few things that I want to share with you. And um, first of all, we just want to welcome um, to our worship service, the Mecklenburg County Detention Center, our brothers and sisters who are incarcerated uh, in that place. Uh, we're engaging in a simulcast thanks to our social justice ministry and this um, um, worship service being broadcast to at least 1,500 individuals um, who hopefully and prayerfully will one day be released for a fresh start, and we want to welcome them to our worship experience. Let's give God praise for them. Amen. Uh, well, there, Deb has given me a lot of stuff, and right now I'm not going to read all this, but what I am going to do is I'm going to focus on uh, our, our re-entry and I just need to talk to you all about that right now. I'm going to ask that I not have any music. I really want to, to stress some things as far as our reentry is concerned. Um, we, of course, are making preparations to come back into the sanctuary in physical form on August 1st. August 1st. Tentatively, we have set the time for 10 o'clock as far as our worship experience is concerned. 845 as far as Sunday morning live is concerned. We are also in the process of um, making sure that we make preparation to receive you all. And so 
uh, one of the things that I want to state is that this Saturday, this Saturday, our usher ministry, deacon ministry, first impression ministry, and I'm going to ask that those that are part of our daily staff, uh, if you would be present at 10 o'clock so we can do a rehearsal of what first Sunday is going to look like. Uh, we want to make sure that we're not stumbling and bumbling on the first Sunday. And so we need all of those ministries that are front line and, of course, our medical team uh, to be here so we'll know, and parking ministry, just to be here so we'll know where everybody is supposed to be on the first Sunday. We're going to do this two consecutive Sundays as far as that is concerned, uh, Saturdays, rather, as far as that's concerned. So this Saturday and then uh, the Saturday uh, right after our uh, church conference, we're going to be meeting. And so I'm thinking that that meeting, we'll probably do that at 1130 as far as that time is concerned. This Saturday at, at 11, let me make that 11 o'clock. And then the following Saturday, uh, we're going to make that at 1130. Now, this is why this is very important, because we want to make sure that everybody is on the same page as far as that's concerned. Let, let me just share a couple of things that, that we would love for you to give consideration if you want to join us in worship. Number one, we want to strongly recommend that you, you be vaccinated. It is not a requirement, but it is strongly recommended. Why? Because the Delta variant is surging among persons who aren't vaccinated. And it's surging among young adults, particularly young adults who aren't vaccinated. So here's what we need, must understand about the vaccination. While the vaccination does not prevent you from getting COVID, it diminishes the impact that COVID can have on your body. Let me say that again. It does not mean you can't get COVID, but it definitely diminishes the impact that COVID can have on your body. And so we want to strongly recommend that you get vaccinated, make sure you're fully vaccinated. We also want to mention that for those that are 65 and older, and if you have a lot of mitigating circumstances when it comes to your health, we're going to ask that you give strong consideration to not coming to church because we don't want to have you uh, in that exposed environment. Again, it is recommended by the CDC that we practice social distancing, wash our hands. We will be doing temp checks. We're going to wear masks doing the worship service. And if you have a problem with getting your temp check or if you have a problem with wearing a mask doing the worship service, we're going to ask that you not come, okay? Um, uh, because we want to do all that we can to protect those that will be present. We're going to require for everyone who desires to attend to register online. This will be as well as for those who will attend Sunday morning live. And with Sunday morning live, I am still kind of in the um, uh, situation of determining whether or not we're going to have that in person or we will continue that virtually. Part of being agile in this moment is being able to shift at the drop of a hat uh, to make sure that we do the things that we need to do. Um, let me just also mention that we're preparing for 50% capacity. Um, and as we make preparation for uh, you to, to join us, uh, one thing that we do want to stress is that we're going to ask that you wear, again, a mask. Not a gaiter, uh, not a face shield, 
but a mask. And if that's going to be a problem for you, we're going to ask that you uh, not uh, attend. Uh, we want to do all that we can to ensure that we promote safety and security as far as this space is concerned. Here's the other thing that I want to stress as far as reentry is concerned. That um, each family is going to be considered a unit. And what do we mean by that? This is for persons that live, hear me well, in the same household. So Pierre Cheris and I are considered a unit. And if Pierre Cheris and I were sitting together, uh, we would be sitting together as a unit. And then the next unit or the next person would be six feet from us. So the usher is going to help to seat and situate persons as far as units are concerned. The balcony as well as the lower level will be open so that we can accommodate as many of those units as possible with us skipping a row as far as the gathering is concerned. And so uh, whoever comes, we're going to make sure that we do temp checks. We're going to have as many people as possible to help us with that. Uh, we've been having planning uh, sessions with core team and the committee uh, to ensure that we do all that we can to navigate that. Now, I'm asking you all to do one thing. Uh, well, a couple, couple of things. Pray for us and give us grace and patience because as we make this reentry, uh, we may not get everything right, but we want to make sure that we can do all that we can to protect you. So bear with us as we make those preparations, and we're going to continue to talk about these things as leading up to the first Sunday in August. The other thing that I just want to share is, of course, next week we're going to have our Youth Sunday. Our guest preacher is going to be uh, the Reverend Dr. Jacques Boyd, and he's going to share with us as far as our Youth Sunday is concerned, and we're looking forward to our youth leading us as far as the worship experience is concerned. On Saturday, on Saturday, July 31st, 2021, at 9 o'clock, we're going to have our annual church conference. At first, I was thinking about doing a hybrid, but we're going to go totally virtual um, as far as that moment is concerned so that whenever we have persons to come up here to do rehearsal, we can do that and do it in a clean space. So that's going to be totally uh, on uh, totally virtual. You need to register because uh, we need to make sure that whoever is part of that conference they are disciples of this church in good standing. So we're going to be doing that on a digital platform. For those who are in our notification system, you're going to receive an email uh, where you can call the church office or leave your name and contact information with Marilyn White. Um, if you don't have the capacity to join us virtually, we can get that information. Uh, we can get that information to you. And then also, I just want to mention to all our, our ministry leaders, we're shifting from GoToMeeting to Zoom. Check your emails to make sure that uh, we, you have uh, the connection as far as that's concerned so you know what's going to be needed um, as far as making that shift. And um, just to let you know, there are webinars for you to understand how to work Zoom. So please, ma'am, please, sir, check your um, emails or your junk or spam uh, emails if you don't see it in your regular email. 
as we prepare to go to the Lord in prayer, uh, and as we make this shift, we're going to right now lift up the family of Brother Johnny Stackhouse, the brother or sister, disciple Martha Graham. Uh, his services were Saturday in Lumberton, North Carolina. The family of Sister Sadie Sturdivant, the mother of uh, disciple Pecola Knight, and Diane Davis, and uh, Robert Sturdivant. We want to lift up the family of Brother Felix Bird, the son of disciple Felix Bird Jr. Uh, we lift up the family of Brother Willie James Johnson, the nephew of disciple Nettie Butler and disciple Mary Phillips. The family of Brother Joshua Hollingsworth, cousin of deacons in training, Eloise Alexander and Mary Murphy. Uh, and the family of Sister Oliver Tolliver, Ali Tolliver Carson, the sister of disciple Louise Tolliver. We want to lift them in, fam- in prayer. On our sick and shut-in list, you will see the names that will be scrolling up and down the screen. As far as that's concerned, we want to keep these persons, particularly who are intensified um, uh, hospitalization, Francis Montgomery, Gina Pettis-Dean, Alberta Henderson, Eleonora Lee, Anthony Farr, uh, our pastor emeritus, Dr. Paul Drummond, and his wife, Thomasina Drummond. We continue to lift up deacon in training, Thomas Fall, and there'll be other names that will be scrolling up and down the list. We pray that you will lift lift those names up in prayer. I'm going to ask that uh, Reverend Brenda Richardson will come and lead us to the throne of grace at this time. Come on, everybody. Let's pray about it. Our Father in heaven, we thank you, God, that you are a God that hears all. So God, right now, come right in the midst of this prayer. God, I pray right now that you would bless every family, every name that has been called. God, we pray for those that are going through bereavement, God. You are a comforter, so comfort them. Hear their cry in the midnight hour, God. Give them all the peace that they need. God, I pray a special blessing upon every family that's been listed, God. Help them from today and the weeks to come, God, as they grow stronger, as they continue to miss their loved ones. God, we pray for everyone that's been called, their name has been called, or not called on our sick and shut-in list, God. You've heard their names. So now, God, bless as only you can. Touch them in a mighty, mighty way. God, I pray that everyone that will come into the room of someone that is one of our disciples that is not feeling what well, God, but that they will have a healing touch, that they will have a kind word, God, that we pray that everyone that might teach, touch them, God, will be blessed in a mighty, mighty way. Holy Spirit, come now. Saturate us, God, from the tops of our head to the bottom of our feet. God, touch those that are in the hospitals, God. Touch everyone that will come into the room. Make sure that they are kind to them, God. You can hear our prayers. So, Lord, we love you, God. Don't ever let us not say that we love you, God, and we're expecting miracles, God. We've seen them already this morning in our sister Gina Stewart, God. Gina Jean, God, we saw her, and she was speaking to us on our Sunday morning live class, God. And we bless you, and we thank you, God, for healing her body and making all of those um, parsley she's received God there's transplants to be a blessing to her soul so God we love you now we honor your name God you've heard our prayer you've heard our plea you've heard our humble cry God touch now and bless everyone that is on our sick and shut in list God we pray that you would just bless us now as only you can in your name I pray amen Amen. Amen. If you believe that God is hearing and answering your prayer, can you give God the praise that God so richly 
and rightfully deserve. Amen. Amen. As we move forward in this worship experience, we want to be mindful of our partnership with our God through the act of giving. And as you prepare to give, there are three ways you can give here at St. Paul Church. The first one is by bringing your cash, check, or money order to the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28205. Or, and make sure you call the church office at 704-334-5309 to make sure someone is in the office to receive your offering. Second way you can do it is by mailing your check or money order to the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, 28205. Another way you could give is through our, um, through our website, through either ACS or Church Life. You can give there, and then finally, you can give through the app called Givelify. And if you don't have that app on your smart device, download that app to your smart device, set it up to your favorite credit card, and in three clicks, you can give. So as we prepare to give, if you would, take your offering however you're going to give it. And if you're able, if you would, raise it with your right hand. We want to give God what's right, not what's left. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come and we thank you right now for the wonderful opportunity to partner with you as far as giving is concerned. And as we come and we give right now, God, not grudgingly or out of necessity, but cheerfully. Why? Because you love the cheerful giver. Take these gifts of ours, oh God, multiply them in a Godful way. Bless those that are giving according to your word. Bless those that are trying to stretch their faith. And then, God, if you will, continue to convict those who feel like they don't have to give anything. Because uh, show them they can't beat you giving no matter how hard they try. It is in Jesus' name we pray and in his name we claim it done. Amen. 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 If you will, go ahead and give now. And we ask that you would pray for the preaching of the word of God.
It is by your spirit, Lord, not by our might nor by our power that we're able to do any and everything that you have commanded us to do. Thank you to our praise team, our young adults, for blessing us with their gift of song and their time. For those of you who have your Bibles this morning, I want to call your attention to Genesis chapter 1. We want to look at verses 1 through 5. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And we find these words printed in the King, New King James Version of Scripture. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light, and that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. He called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. I want to preach for the time that is mine, just from this thought, the God who creates something out of nothing. The God who creates something out of nothing. The account in Genesis, which is considered to be the first of two creation stories in the book of Genesis, gives us an account of how God created the universe. And it ought to carry special weight and meaning for anyone who believes in this God. The narrative of Genesis is not some pre-scientific treatise on how the world began, but rather it serves as a springboard to deepen our faith in the unseen God who is doing something behind the scenes of eternity for our benefit and for God's glory. The sad fact of how Genesis has become a debate between creationism and evolution is rather crazy because either side you believe in, be it creationism or evolution, God did it. Too many of us major in the minor because we allow for these sidebars to take our attention away from the real meaning of the book, which is to express everything you see and even things you can't see, God has something to do with it. These first five verses of the Genesis account have the capacity to bring hope to someone in despair joy to someone who is in sorrow, light for a person in darkness, uplift for the brother who is downtrodden, faith for the sister trapped by fear, grace for a child facing gloom, and help for a person that is in need. When you read and react to what God 
allowed the author of this text to write. You can leave this moment of worship, regardless of what is happening in your life right now, knowing that your current reality does not have the last word. This is because there is a person bigger than your problems, a force stronger than your fear, a power more prevalent than your pain, a savior more salient than your setbacks, and a Christ more consistent than your chaos. And we call God in the text Elohim. Elohim, 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 the uncreated creator. Elohim, the unmoved mover. Elohim, the uncaused causer. Elohim, the ultimate being who has no beginning but always was, always is, and always shall be the God that did not begin to be. This God is always up to something. And I've come to serve notice to somebody right now and to inform you that the God we worship, the God we serve, the God we bow down to has been up to something, is up to something, and on tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, or even the next millennial, we'll be up to something when it seems like ain't nothing happening in our lives. I know there are those who find themselves in empty places and hopeless spaces where it seems like nothing is happening. If you ask them what they're doing, they're going to tell you nothing. If you ask them what they're up to, they're going to say nothing. If you ask them what do they want to do, they're going to tell you nothing. Nothing is a mentality of hopelessness and despair that has the capacity to handicap us until life passes us by and all we have are regrets. On the other hand, there are those who have tried to do something only to wind up with nothing. You've played by the rules. You, you, you've gotten the degrees. You kissed up to the right folks. You avoided problems. You, you did what the Lord would have for you to do. And yet, you find yourself on the short end of the stick. You have entered a period of confusion and chaos where nothing makes any sense. You have entered this virtual worship moment, not with praise on your lips and worship in your spirit. Unfortunately, you've come to this worship experience with mixed emotions, confused minds, broken spirits, troubled relationship, crazy realities, and chaotic existence that has messed you up from the flow up. And if you're honest, you must admit how chaos, unfortunately, has become your norm rather than your exception. Confusion is what you face every day you wake up now. Confused spouses, confused lovers, confused kids, confused church folks, confused employees, confused employers, confused co-workers, confused friends, confused enemies. God knows we live in a confused country and a confused world. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite singers, the late Phyllis Hyman had a song entitled Living in Confusion where she says, seem like I'm always going through changes, living in confusion. Look at the chaos, the confusion, the craziness we're dealing with right now. This Delta variant of COVID is on a major surge among the unvaccinated. We are in the United States of America approaching a 30 million, $30 trillion 
deficit. Black lives still do not matter. White supremacists and their allies continue to be emboldened by Trump's idiotic brashness. The big lie of Trump is being treated as truth among quite a few folks. Right is wrong and wrong is right. Climate change has accelerated erratic weather patterns across the globe. And from a personal perspective, some of you haven't gotten a check in months. You're wondering how long you're going to have to deal with a relationship where you are abused physically, verbally, financially, and emotionally. You're suffocating from financial debt, but you continue to spend money on things uh, that you can't afford, trying to impress folks that you don't like and don't like you. Uh, you're frustrated by dilapidated communities, crumbling school systems, polluted environments, crooked politicians, crazy preachers, superficial religion, warped spirituality, hopeless moms, deadbeat dads, and rebellious children. God knows we are living in times where it seems like chaos is on the throne. Can I press my claim a little bit further? When you bring this down to the personal level, there are those who can testify about moments in your life where there was no order. There was no rhyme. There was no reason about anything taking place in your life. I know that most of us, if we're honest, felt like that life was so dark so formless, so empty, so nihilistic. You, you felt like there was no hope. You believed nothing was fitting together in your life. You said to yourself, nothing ever works out right. My personal life is confusion and chaos. My career is in confusion. This is not how I plan my life, God. I'm going in circles, getting nowhere fast. God, this is as good as it's going to be. God, I can't bounce back from this setback. God, I'm about to throw in the towel because this is a hole I can't climb out of. Yet I know when we feel like this, for those of us who know a little something about faith, we quickly go to the Bible. Try to find something that'll give us a reason to cope, give us some form of hope for our confused reality. When life gets out of control and it seems like everything is falling apart, some of us might go to the oldest book in the Bible, which is the book of Job, about the man who lost everything, even though he was considered to be an upright man, one who despised evil and loved God. Some of us might find ourselves turning to the historical writings of Samuel and reading about David who fought against Goliath and Saul who got jealous of David's anointing. Perhaps some of our minds will go back to the Pentateuch, to the book of Exodus and read about Moses confronting Pharaoh with these famous words, let my people go. You may find yourself reading one of the sweetest psalms in all the scriptures, Psalm 23, where David proclaims, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You may find yourself reading Psalm 27, where it says, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? You may even find yourself reading Psalm 121, I will lift my eyes until the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. But 
I want to give you a notice. If you really want to grasp meaning for your life and be reminded of who is really in charge, it can only be found in Genesis 1-1 where it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1-1 gives us a picture of the God who existed before existence ever began. When people ask me, where did God come from? I said, nowhere. Where is God going? I said, nowhere. Because you can't understand the very instant, the very isness of God because God is beyond our finite comprehension. These first five verses of the Bible reminds us about the God who created something out of nothing. This creative narrative helps us to appreciate the fact that the entire cosmos belongs to God and that God declared it to be good and very good and that God is still in charge. As a matter of fact, Genesis 1-1 goes beyond before the universe was ever created. These first five verses, I like to say, uh, are like the constitution of all of creation. And it provides governance for the cosmos. These first five verses of the Bible may be the most precious of all the verses of Scripture. And yet what gets me, what calls my attention, what makes me shout are four words in the beginning, God. When I think about famous words, uh, uh, some of us might want to think about The words to the Declaration of Independence where it says we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by the creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Some of us may even think about the preamble to the Constitution where it says we the people of the United States in order to form a more perfect union. Some of us, our minds may go to the Gettysburg Address where Abraham Lincoln said four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. For others, your mind may go to the famous speech that the late Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King made uh, uh, on August 28, uh, 1963, uh, when he said, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Listen, all of those are some good words. All of those are great words, but what rises above all of those for me are four words in Genesis in the beginning God that's a simple statement four words in the beginning God this 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 simple statement in the beginning God refutes the atheist who says there is no God it refutes the agnostic who claim we cannot know God it refutes the uh, polytheist who says there are many gods it refutes the pantheist who says all nature is God it refutes the materialist who claims that matter is eternal and not created and it refutes the fatalist who teaches us that there are no divine plans behind creation and history in the beginning God God's personality is seen in these first five verses of scripture. For we see that God speaks, that God sees, that God names and God blesses. This means that even where nothing exists, 
the God of Genesis, your God, my God, can take nothing and create something out of it. And notice I didn't say make something, I said create something because only God is the ultimate creator. You and I are makers because only God can take nothing and make something, but you and I have to take the something that God made and make something else. This is meaningful for those of us who view our lives as empty and meaningless and hopeless. This is a shouting moment for those who get caught up in the routines of daily living. God wants us to know that there is more than just the nothingness it seems like we deal with. Where there is no work being done, no fruit coming forth, no accomplishments being made, and no achievements coming to fruition. What does it mean for the person, the man, woman, boy, or girl, who feels like life has no meaning? And there is nothing to their life. I want to submit to you a couple of things and then I'll bid you all adieu. That first of all, you got to think like this. That God was thinking about us before anything was ever created. That's a shout right there. God was thinking about you and me before anything was ever created. Now, 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 this ain't in my, 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 my manuscript, but, but let me, if I could, help you to just postulate about how you and I were and are and will be on the mind of God. That according to scientists, that the earth is anywhere between four and a half to six billion years old. That the universe is anywhere between 14 billion to 20 billion years old and God is beyond all of that and guess what before any of that came into existence God had us on God's mind in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and, and that looks so simple that that looks so minute that looks so easy but I want you to know if you ain't careful you're gonna miss something very profound it does not say that God spoke the heavens and earth into existence. It says God created the heavens and the earth. Oh, God, I feel like shouting right now. When we think about heavens and earth, we're not thinking about just the sky, the stratosphere, the ionosphere, the exosphere. But we're thinking about all of the cosmos, all of creation. As you read Genesis 1, God spoke into existence the things that populated the earth but when it came to the universe you are reminded that God created God is the subject create is the verb however for anything to be created there must be a thought process about what is being created and the thought process God went through to bring into existence the universe ought to blow your mind with the stars that dance in the midnight sky with planets and solar systems and quasars and pulsars and black holes and galaxies which are billions and even trillions of miles away in the same process God went through to create everything that we see in the nighttime sky God created you and me this means we were on the mind of God when everything else was being created and everything has a purpose this is what David meant when he said I will praise you God for I am fearfully and wonderfully made marvelous are your works and my soul knows 
very well. You and I are not some cosmic accident of DNA and protoplasm. God had you on God's mind before anything was made. You're not some sexual incident or accident that happened in the backseat of a car. God had you on God's mind. Don't get caught up in what has not gone well in your life to this point. God got you on God's mind. You must know by whom you are made and you must know for whom you are made. You are made by God. You are made for God to bring God glory. That means that God has you on God's mind, which means that when nobody else is thinking about you, God is thinking about you. When no one else is worried about you, God is worried about you. When no one else is loving you, God is loving you. When nobody else cares for you, God is caring for you. As a matter of fact, you wouldn't even exist if God did not have you on God's mind. I feel like preaching. Now, I want to admit that there are some things that all of us go through that God does not desire for us to go through because it's based upon the choices that we have made. But it doesn't mean that we ain't on the mind of God. Then there's something else that I want you to understand that when you move from verse one to verse two, you will notice that God is moving when it seems like nothing is happening. (laughs) Look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit, the Ru'ah of God, was hovering, moving over the face of the waters. This verse describes chaos. It was waste. It was void. It was dark. What nothing happening on earth. Darkness was everywhere, but the Bible tells us that was present in the darkness was the spirit of God in the midst of a chaotic world that needed to be brought forth. The spirit was hovering, which means that the spirit was present. The spirit was hovering, which means the spirit was what? Moving. And if I can be honest, I want you to understand this is where God does God's best work. It is in those places where it seems like nothing is making sense that God is doing God's best work. The spirit of God, I contend, it is the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit moves in the messy places of our lives to bring order out of chaos. The Bible is replete, beloved, with instances where the spirit of God is at work in some very chaotic situations that does not make any sense to anybody but God. The Spirit of God was hovering when Daniel was captive in the lion's den. The Spirit of God was hovering when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fiery furnace. The Spirit was hovering when Jesus came out of the Jordan soaked and wet from John's baptism. The Spirit was hovering when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness. The Spirit was hovering in the upper room blowing a mighty wind among the 120 in the upper room. But the reason the Spirit shows up is because something is about to happen where it seemed like ain't nothing taking place. Somebody right now under the sound of my voice 
can, if you so desire, to give God praise right now because there have been times when the spirit hovered when the spirit showed up when the spirit moved and brought something new out of something you did not understand brought something new out of the mess you were dealing with brought something new out of your nothingness brought something new out of your hell you were stuck between a rock and a hard place you were trapped because of hopelessness and puzzled by despair you could not move forward with nothing happening but then a fresh wind began to hover and began to blow in your life something began to stir in your life and you said to yourself all right enough of this enough of the tears i know there is more to my life than the nothingness i am experiencing right now and the spirit of god moves not only on you but around you and in you this is because the spirit did not need to change watch this your circumstances but God was trying to change you. God reminds us we do not experience our mess in isolation. God is hovering over us. God is moving around us. God is present with us. God is inside of us and God is getting ready to blow winds of change. God is stirring up the staleness that has a whole lot of us stuck. Then if we keep moving in this text, we will see that God gives a word of possibility in the midst of nothingness. Because when you look at verse 3, he says, let there be light. And, and, and there was light. Therefore, what comes into existence is a way for us to access what we don't understand about darkness. Before there was a universe, God basically draped God's self in darkness. And so while we fear the dark, because we don't know how to navigate the dark, we serve a God that is not only a God of light, but he's also a God of the dark. And, and, and God does God's best work in the dark. Because not only is he the God of the dark, but he's also a God of the light. However, God was allowing an attribute of his divinity to become a part of creation. Oh. The God who is known as the God of light speaks light into existence in other words he speaks a word because god is the word but in god speaking there is so much power in god speaking until the physical property that we call light which we're still learning about today comes into existence that moves at the speed of 186,000 miles per second. Preach Robert Charles Scott. So light, when it shines, gives insight into what is dark to demonstrate great possibilities that are before you if you trust God to be the God of your darkness as well as the God of your light. The same stuff <laughs> that was in the dark is now brought to the light 
but how you view it has to change. Have you ever noticed how you can handle stuff better in the light than you can in the dark? But the only difference is, the only reason why you can handle it in the light is because it has now been exposed. But basically, the same stuff that was in the dark before is the same stuff that's in the light right now. Preach Robert Trotsky. When you're facing a situation of nothingness and you feel like you're down and out because there is no light, you're operating from a position of fear of the dark. But when light is shine, you can work with courageous resolution. However, the focus in the text should not be on the light. <laughs> can I tell y'all what the focus should be? The focus ain't on the light. The focus is on the word let. Oh, I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. Uh, uh, the word let is a verb, which means to allow. And in the Hebrew, this word let is in the imperfect tense, which means that it's still taking place, which, which means that whatever God has dropped in your spirit, that if it does not exist, the God we serve can still bring it into fruition. Huh, it gives permission to possibilities that have not been present before. However, the possibilities are not in the light, but the possibilities come what? Out of the darkness. It, it, it is out of darkness. It is out of crazy situations. It is out of hellish conditions. It's out of chaotic uh, confusion that you have been facing that God gives a word that says, let. Let there be. Uh, God knows that there's anybody that know about the God of let. If there's anybody that know about the God of possibilities, if there's anybody that know about how God can navigate through the nefarious waters of the darkness, it's black folks. Don't look at me suspect. Don't look at me all crazy. It's, it's black folks. As a matter of fact, it's black folks in America. Because if there's any race, any people that should not believe in God, it ought to be black folks based upon how we've been treated in this land called America, even to this present day. But yet... All across this land, black folks gather in churches and in brush harbors and in small churches and large churches and on virtual platforms to worship a God we cannot see. Why? Because we serve a God who helps us to navigate out of our darkness. Uh, I ain't trying to put down any other culture or any other race, but God knows if there's anybody that can look at God with the side eye and be black folks based upon how we've been treated then and how we're being treated now. But God knows when I think about it, think about, think, think about all the hell we've gone through on these shores of the United States of America. And if they don't want us to teach about our history and our heritage and our culture in the schools, God knows you need to teach it in your home and I'll talk about it in the church. Because guess what? It's through the darkness of slavery. God said, let. And we got a Phyllis Wheatley and Frederick Douglass and Sojourner Truth and Harriet Tubman and Benjamin Banneker, John Brown and Harriet Beecher Stowe and Abraham Lincoln. 
Uh, it's through the darkness of Jim and his crazy wife, Jane Crow. God said, let. And we got a Mary McLeod, Bethune, Rosa Parks, Nat King Cole, Fannie Lou Hamer, Thurgood Marshall, John Lewis, Andrew Goodman, Michael Schwerner, James Cheney, Mega Evers, Marley Evers, uh, Malcolm X, uh, Betty Shabazz, uh, Coretta Scott King, Martin Luther King, B.B. King, Diana Ross, and Colin Powell. It's through the darkness of postmodernity. God said, let. And you got a Common and Serena Williams and Venus Williams and Simone Biles, Brianna Parker, William Barber, George Floyd, Otis Moss III, Charles Edward Booth, Michelle Obama, Barack Obama, and Zelia Avant God. It is through our dark moments God said, let, and you have a St. Paul that is able to minister in a community that's going through gentrification and let them know we ain't going nowhere because the God we serve has positioned us for such a time as this. Let me, let me, let me go ahead and close this thing out because my time is about up. Finally, finally, God's word changes perspectives. God's word changes perspectives. It's right there in the text because now we see the light when God spoke, said, let there be. And then God calls light, day, dark night, and the night and the day and the evening and the morning were what the first day when the light appears. <laughs> I don't know how it looked, Peyton, but when the light appears, God separated light from dark. I don't know how that worked. I like science, but, but even scientists can't explain how that worked without the God equation in the mist. Because ain't nothing created without a creator. And, 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 and God said, let there be light, and he separated the light from dark. And when you get separation of light from dark, guess what? When light shines upon that which is dark, your perspective change. And the situation changes. And the reason that your perspective change is because you've been exposed to possibilities because you're no longer, here's the shout, afraid of the dark. <laughs> Woo! When, 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 when the word of God speaks into your reality, when the word of God comes strong into your reality, God's word sheds light on your situation. And, and, and you're able to do some stuff that you thought never could be done. When you're exposed to the word, you can't stay stuck where you are because there's power in the word of God. There's purpose in the word of God. There is light in the word of God. The Bible says your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. The, the, reason, the reason something was created out of nothing is because God spoke. <laughs> uh, the reason that something was created out of nothing is because God said something. The, the reason that something was created out of nothing is because God gave a word. And, and, and I don't know who I'm talking to right now that finds himself or herself in a dark spot. But I'm here to drop a word. It ain't my word. 
Because my word has no power. It, it, it ain't my word because my word does not have the capacity to reconstitute your reality. But the word I drop is based on the word of God. And, and, and I don't know who I'm talking to, but, but I'm a living witness that sometimes all you need is a word. Yeah. To, to change your mind and your perspective. Um, Thomas Whitfield said in that song, we don't need another political uprising. We don't need another conqueror on the scene. What we need is a special word that will bond within our hearts and give us directions from above. We need a word from the Lord. A word from the Lord. Just one word from the Lord that will move all doubts and cause the sun to shine and speak peace of mind. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. I don't know about anybody else, but uh, I don't need a word today from Joe Biden that's going to tell me how the economy is faring. And, and, and I don't need a word from my fraternity brothers uh, about what's going on as far as Omega Sci-Fi is concerned. Uh, I don't need a word from my friends about the latest happenings as far as their lives are concerned. I don't need a word from Wall Street about how much money that has been gained or lost. God knows we don't need a word from your former president because every time he opens his mouth, he basically lies. But what you and I need is a word from the Lord. Yeah, I feel my Mississippi slipping. And, and I'm here to let you know that when you get a word from the Lord, it has the power to change your mind and if your mind is changed, your situation can change. Uh, I'm just a little preacher from Mississippi trying to give you a word. Yeah, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. And so as I close this sermon, I want to close with the word of God. Because my words are feeble and feckless and finicky. My words uh, don't have power to sustain you and power to keep you and power to uplift you. My words uh, don't have the capacity to reconstitute a, a recalcitrant child. My words don't have the ability uh, to lift up a bow down head. But I believe that I'm talking to some folks who are watching me live stream. And I believe I'm talking to some folks who are in the house right now um, that know that there is power in the word of God. And, and when you know there's power in the word of God, you can move on the word of God. Because God's word tells me in Psalms 46, 1 through 3, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in a time of trouble. Therefore, will we not fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. God's word tells me in 1 Peter 5 and 7, cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. 
God's word in Psalms 35 says, for his anger endure for a moment, for his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. God's word tells me in Isaiah 43 too, that when you pass through the waters, that God will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon you. God's word tells me, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. God's word tells me, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? God's word tells me in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. God's word tells me, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers nor things present, nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now I know some of y'all are watching saying it don't take all that. Some of you all are watching saying it'll take all that hollering. It'll take all that sound. It'll take all that music. But you don't know like I know what the Lord has done for me. So I got to give him praise even in my preaching. I got to give him thanks even in my proclamation. Now some of y'all can't get with this, but I believe I got a few folks that don't mind my Mississippi slipping out. Cause when I think about the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, Anybody glad God sets you free? Good afternoon, children. May the Lord bless you real good. But do I have anybody that ain't afraid to give God praise? Because God made something out of your nothing. God took your junk and gave you joy. God took your gloom and gave you grace. God took your misery and gave you mercy. God took your hell and let you shout hallelujah. God took your lemons and you made lemonade. God took your sorrows and let you write some songs. God took your pain and let you pen some poetry. Is there anybody that ain't afraid to give God praise? Cause he took something out of your nothing. I'll see y'all later. I'll see y'all on the first Sunday. But if you ain't too mean, if you ain't too scared, if you ain't too down, if you ain't too dirty, if you know what God has done for you, I need somebody. Watch me live stream. I need somebody in the house right now that can give to God.
be praised. Uh, who is this God? Uh, he's Jehovah Rapha, the God our healer. He's Jehovah Shalom, uh, the God our peace. Uh, he's Jehovah Sekinu, uh, the God our righteousness. Uh, he's Jehovah Nisi, uh, the God our banner. Uh, he's Jehovah Rohi, uh, the Lord our shepherd. Uh, and when I think uh, about all that God has done, uh, I have to give him praise. Uh, is he worthy of the glory? Is he worthy uh, of the honor? Is he worthy uh, of the praise? Uh, wherever you are, uh, in your bedroom, uh, in your living room, uh, in your kitchen, uh, in your dining room, uh, in your den, uh, in the church house, uh, if you're able uh, and you don't mind, uh, roll back your heads, uh, open up your mouth, uh, lift up your hands, uh, and bless the God uh, of Genesis, uh, because that same God uh, is still saying, uh, let there be God who creates something out of nothing is the same God who can save folks like you and me. <laughs> that, that, that same God that created everything we see and everything we can imagine and everything we can think about and stuff that we make is the same God that is able to save and that God is able to save to the utmost if you allow God to do that his spirit is moving right now even in virtual space in virtual sanctuaries and as we do this digital digital virtual church God is moving. The Spirit is moving. And we're receiving people online. We're receiving people virtually. Uh, we're receiving people in this hybrid worship experience. We'll receive you. If you're listening to us on the phone, if you're watching us on Facebook, YouTube, or our church website. Um, if you're in the house, we, we're receiving you. You ain't got to be at 1401 Allen Street for the Lord to save you, and you don't have to be at 1401 Allen Street in order to be a part of the St. Paul Church. I want to lead you in a prayer, a prayer of new life, a prayer of a brand new start, a prayer of forgiveness. And I'm going to ask that as you say this prayer, if this prayer means anything to you, I'm going to actually make a decision for either Christ or the church. And then we're going to give you some instructions on what to do to make that a firm reality. So all heads bowed, all eyes closed, if you would, repeat this prayer after me. God, I thank you for making everything we see and don't see. 
God, I thank you that you have made the gift of salvation available to me. And I accept that gift right now. Forgive me of all my sins. I believe you sent Jesus Christ to die for my sins. I believe you raised him from the dead. I believe one day Jesus is coming back. But until then, send your Holy Spirit into my life. I want to live for you. I want to do what you want me to do. Thank you. In Jesus' name, I pray this prayer. Amen. Listen, if you've prayed that prayer, you meant that prayer in your head, in your heart, your mind, in your spirit, and you want to accept the gift of salvation, it's yours. It's just like that. It's yours. Is it that easy? Yeah, because you're not saved by your works. You're not saved by coming to church or by giving money. You're saved because of your faith, and it's a gift because of God's grace. That's how you're saved. But God doesn't want you to stay stuck in salvation. He wants you to grow and become what God will have for you to be. So guess what? If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, uh, if you're watching us on Facebook, if you're watching us on our website, uh, if you would, just, just type in baptism. Type in baptism. Uh, I don't have a script in front of me. I'm telling you, with the, just type in baptism. One of our digital ministers will reach out to you and let you know 